You are listening to the JCN Clinic Podcast. The JCN Clinic Podcast is a place where nutritionalists Jessica Cox and Carissa Mason get real about nutrition and living a healthy life. They share with you their passion and their clinical knowledge for a fun, no BS approach to looking after yourself. Please enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe and iTunes. Hello and welcome again to this episode of the JCN Clinic Podcast Show. I am Jessica. I am Carissa. <laughs> we are at we, it again. We love our little intro. <laughs> got it so down packed now that it's just like we, now we just need to start taking the piss out of ourselves when we do it. That's it. <laughs> Sometimes we have a last name, other times we don't. Yeah, other times we don't. Um, I also think at some stage too we need to, so just for everyone listening, before we even tell you what we're talking about today, when Jess and I first started recording podcasts, we um, did a few piss take intro ones. Remember those? Damien mm-hmm. did one, like saying. Still have them. <laughs> Yeah, and Jess and I have got them recorded, so if anyone thinks we should do a few piss-take intros of Damien just taking the absolute piss out of Jess and I, with this, the intro music, like, and you want to hear them, we might drop them into the, a cup, into a podcast or two coming up. <laughs> Actually, I could pop them. I have thought about maybe I could put them at the end, so for anyone yeah, interested, exactly. we can let them know and they can have a listen at the end with a bit of a disclaimer, disclaimer. <laughs> Yeah, probably good because if you were like a first-time podcast listener and you heard like someone yeah. say to nutritionists, just absolute bullshit. Like, <laughs> Some of them are a little offensive, so. <laughs> anyway, okay. let's talk about today's topic because I'm super excited about this one. And I'm really is- excited too. Do you know I was um, having a having a shower, bit of context before, after I sent you that email. Jess, Jess, was, Jess was naked. I was naked. <laughs> And I was getting all excited and thinking it's a while since we've had a good nerd out. I was just like, I'm really excited about just nerding out with Carissa. <laughs> yeah, and I think too, because this is like such uh, we're not should we just tell people what it is and then we'll get into why we're excited about Probs. it. <laughs> we're gonna talk about histamine intolerance, that's what we're talking about today. However, I think, yeah, the thing is, like, with something we treat so much in the clinic, um, I still think there's so much more that's gonna come out about this. Mm condition or this host like little plethora of things that happen with histamine intolerance um I even know uh, like last year and I just haven't had a chance to hit her back up but um Dr Elena you know from Microba like she was starting to do some really cool research with the histamine receptors in the gut and stuff and really into that so I think the histamine space is going to grow epically in terms of knowledge in the next 12 to 18 months, but I also think we know so much already and I think there's a lot of people that have histamine intolerance, myself Mm -hmm. included, Mm -hmm. um, or have had it at some stage in their life. Like I don't think I have it now, but I definitely know I'm a a histamine-driven person, always have been. Um, Yeah, and I think it's such a common thing with so many different symptoms and presentations that Mm. a lot of people probably aren't even aware they have histamine intolerance. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And it is something we've been asked about quite a lot when we've asked you guys about what you'd like us to talk about, and I guess that shows its prevalence that's coming mm-hmm. through. So I think this will be something you guys or a lot of you will be like, yes, they're finally talking about histamine intolerance. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so, so like... <laughs> <laughs> ah, dear. Well, should we start with talking about 
organization. We've broken this down what histamine intolerance is. Yeah. Um, and we're probably, we've got some um, keep us on line points here, but knowing Chris and I will jump around a little bit. Um, but first, let's start with histamine intolerance itself. So generally, histamine intolerance means that you have an intolerance to histamine. Um, and that can be driven by having an increased load of histamine. So that can come from um, internal or external environments. So the, literally the foods that you are consuming or things that you're taking into your body through an increased load that's being um, endogenously produced, which we'll talk about. There's also um, the inability to actually clear the histamine properly, which yeah. we'll be diving into, which has a lot to do with what's going on within the gut and also within the detoxification organs themselves, um, enzyme deficiencies, etc., or nutrient deficiencies, I should say. But also the other big area we'll be talking about, which I know Chris will get super excited about because I know the genetic, <laughs> genetic factor comes into this, is the enzyme deficiencies as well. So there's some really important enzymes that are involved in histamine and the production of histamine and the control of histamine and yeah. regulating that. And we're going to be talking about how they can be so tightly wound up in this too. Yeah. So, so I'm going to just give everyone a bit of a histamine analogy because yes. I feel like we, A, we love our bloody analogies, but B, I just think people get really confused with histamine because there's so many influencing factors that can drive histamine intolerance. Yep. So I basically just explain it to my clients. I just use the bucket and sand analogy. Yes, thank right? you. So <laughs> simple. And I'm just like, you basically think of, think of, think of the bucket like your body mm -hmm. and think of, sand going into the bucket like histamine i use this analogy for so many things like yeah. pathways everything but let's use it for histamine right so you basically sand going into the bucket and filling the bucket up is just histamine coming in and histamine exactly like what jess was saying it can come from food sources it can come from you know you you um, being exposed environmentally to something like an allergen or something like that so we've got histamine in foods mm -hmm. foods that produce histamine as an allergic response mm -hmm. so that's that's they're two completely separate areas we've got envi environmental environmental factors so you know things like that you know triggering histamine responses in the body you have bacteria that produce histamine yes. as a byproduct you have um histamine liberating foods so foods that actually you know basically cause histamine to be more or harder to break down so there's just all these little things that sort of happen in terms of what your body has to deal with with histamine and histamine is not all bad I think that's yes. important to say here like histamine mm -hmm. is very very important for like focus and attention and you know yeah. you want a histamine response but it's just that analogy of when the bucket gets too full from too many you know causative things dumping histamine in there and it can't clear efficiently as efficiently as you need to have histamine intolerance exactly. so it's basically just an, Ill, a, an inability to degrade histamine at the rate that it's coming in love the bucket <laughs> it's always it's a good analogy people you know some people will have 10 holes jammed in their bucket and yeah. therefore they're just constantly clearing histamine yeah and it's where the genetic part comes into it if you have any of the genetic um you know snips that we're talking about that are involved in histamine um breakdown and degradation basically picture like someone's gone around and just you know covered up some of those those holes the way mm -hmm. the sand's leaking out with some sticky tape <laughs> <laughs> So let's um let's take a step back for a second though and talk about histamine itself because you just said something really important that um I get quite passionate about is that these histamine um being a natural 
sort of sub or chemical that's produced in the body yeah. in the body I can spit that out properly it it has a role like a lot of a the different uh chemical sensitivities that we see within the clinic and um, a lot of people that come through our doors to seem to start to present with more and more of these because we see so many complex gut issues but histamine has a role and it's not all bad um, and it's really important to highlight that like we're not trying to get rid of it completely it's really yeah. important as far as and we'll, you'll see how when it goes awry how it can be so systemic it it's very important for our immune system it essentially is activating our mast cells to release these substrates which have a really important role in how your immune system responds so Carissa mentioned mentioned things like more um, sort of allergy-based symptoms. So it has a role in protecting us and releasing these substrates which help fight these, these yeah. um, whether that be something, again, exogenous or endogenous, so outside or inside that's going on. So there is a really important role that it has and there's, there's really cool studies showing how important uh, histamine is in certain types of immune conditions and how not having enough of the production of histamine can be detrimental. So I don't want people to think that it's bad. And as Chris also mentioned, it's really important for our neurotransmitter function. Um, it's important. It's important. It, it has a role in like, um, you know, like getting nutrients and oxygen around yeah, the body. Like yeah, blood flow. Stuff, it has a massive role in digestion and yep. you know, the whole neurotransmitter thing. So you're, you're basically your ability to pay attention. Um, histamine has a huge, um, huge involvement in that and how well and how well you cope endurance-wise with exercise. Like, So it's got this crazy important role in the body. But it's, yep. again, like so many things we talk about, when it gets skewed or it's in excess, it becomes a problem, yeah. That's it. And the other thing I want to highlight, which we'll probably highlight a billion times too, is talking about histamine intolerance. It's not a condition itself. It's like, I like to think of it as, I guess, an analogy. It's like the low FODMAP um, diet, essentially. Like you don't have, unless you're Damien, because it's his favorite new thing lately, you don't have FODMAPs. <laughs> so lately he's like, I've got FODMAPs. I'm like, Dude, you don't have the FODMAPs. It's not a disease. <laughs> You're just reacting to FODMAP foods. It's same with histamine intolerance. Like people will label themselves and go, I'm histamine intolerant. It's like, can we just correct that and go, You're as a result of something else going on in your body, you have developed a histamine intolerance. Once we deal yeah. with the underlying cause, we will be able to reduce that intolerance, maybe clear it completely, but it's not a diagnosis. It's a sign that something else is actually going on at another yeah. level. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. And like so many conditions that we treat and in the clinic and things that we talk about, like whether we're talking about SIBO, whether we're talking about histamine intolerance, whatever we're talking about, what is driving it for one person or what cluster of things are driving it for one person is not going to be the same cluster of things driving it for the next person. So that's why, again, it comes back to individualized treatment and looking at what's driving, what's causing you to have an issue with the breakdown and clearance of histamine and then working out what we can do to rectify that. Yeah, So exactly. Cool. So should we so, talk a little bit about the causes as far as like if yeah. histamine has gone a little awry like um what are the sort of main causes that we may see underlying that that's actually a good yeah. segue i didn't even mean that but yes what are these underlying causes jessica or yes, carissa jessica. please start 
<laughs> highlighting okay, some okay, for I'm us. I'm start obviously with gut stuff because I think that's what gut like gut stuff is huge. So if for whatever reason your gut bacterial imbalances are correct and you've got histamine producing bacteria creating a bigger histamine load in your gut, you're going to have issues breaking it down. If you have um, if you have SIBO, if you have um, you know certain types of inflammatory things going on in the gut, there's going to be an increased histamine you know um, response happening in there, so that you're going to have more immune activation. So gut is massive for me like I always you know if someone's got histamine stuff going on I'm always like okay let's talk about your gut health um then I think from gut the next place I normally go is probably like look at the food obviously I kind Mm -hmm. of go gut food genes and then into like nutrient deficiencies and stuff like that but definitely I think at the core of it there's usually an under a very strong underlying gut dysfunction yeah um is this what is this kind of what we're am I talking about the right stuff yeah (laughs) Now you've gone right right off, man. I feel like I just went off on a tangent there. I don't know what you're talking about. No, you're so on it. Okay, cool, because I actually, like, forgot the question. You just asked me and just started talking about what I wanted to. (laughs) So gut stuff is huge. Um, Yeah, so gut stuff, genes, stress is a big one for me as well. I also look at then look at some nutrient deficiencies. So they're kind of my main areas with histamine intolerance but then obviously the symptoms should we mention what some of the symptoms are or are we going to go well let's that? just before we dive into that because i think that's really important as well obviously <laughs> i just wanted to kind of highlight here and again we might talk about this as we go through with the causes a lot of the things that you just touched on really highlight the fact that and, and the symptoms will too when we talk about that that this is quite systemic. So it can be, well, actually it can be local um, as far as where you're seeing that reaction with the histamines. So Carissa just mentioned in the gut. So if it's happening in the gut, you can have like a local response within the gut itself or think externally, like if it's um, a reaction externally and you've brushed up against something and you have a histamine type reaction to that. Um, So you've, you've kind of got that twofold approach, but also you mentioned a little earlier about the fact that we've got these different receptors. So because we've got these different types of histamine receptors through the body in different places, they can also be part of this, this cause picture depending on which ones are being activated because some of these receptors um, are more primed or um, I should say primed, but essentially let's say hang out or live within the gut itself and particularly the small intestinal tract. So if you're having inflammation going on within the small intestinal tract, then you're going to be activating um, that receptor more so and having more of those small intestinal upsets, particularly things like the SIBO picture. So it it, it really can be um, very systemic in its causes as well as its symptoms. So I just wanted to bring that up. And I think the only other one that I would mention too as far – oh, no, it's probably more of a symptom. I was going to talk about something else. No, I'm not going to go there. Let's talk about (laughs) the symptoms themselves because they're so intertwined with the causes. So I was just mentioning about the external symptoms, and I think these are some of the most common things that people think of when they think of histamine. So it's the classic – skin um, aggravation, the rashes, urticaria, hives, 
itching, um, swelling, and that can be from um, a brush with something externally that, that actually uh, aggravates you, but it also can be driven by internal triggers, which yeah. obviously we've started to, to address here too. So sometimes when that histamine bucket is um, overloaded, as Carissa highlighted, you'll see those outwardly symptoms um, happening or expressed and I think that can be really confusing for people when they don't understand that these um, and I've, I've seen you mentioning yourself I've seen you uh, in the past have the like the itching and the um, particularly oh, it's your I'm eyes sorry. that just go ballistic because of something that's going on internally with you oh, yeah and I think that's that's the really big thing to highlight and what I say to a lot of my clients is that you're much more sensitive to your external environment when your internal environment yes. is aggravated. So if you have internal histamine, you know, responses that are in excess mm -hmm. happening, you are going to be so much more, you know, um, sensitive to your external environment. Like I was such a freaking allergy kid, man. Like, <laughs> and even like in my twenties and stuff, like I know we've talked about like gut health and stuff, but like, I knew really nothing about histamine in my early 20s when I was fixing my gut, but I fixed my gut and mm. all of these symptoms that I used to have, like externally, all cleared up. Like I used to scratch my freaking eyeballs. And I, I think there's you have this thing where you're just constantly an allergy person, like you get really itchy eyes. Or you, mm. I used to react to plastic bags. Like if I carried plastic bags on my arms, I would get like blister welts from them. Um, if I get a mozzie bite, it looks like a cow print, mm -hmm. like a cow pattern print <laughs> on my arm. Like it's massive and huge. And, you know, I went through and obviously it's like when I was doing all my gut work for completely different reasons, pulled out all of that, you know, internal inflammatory food, which, you know, to be honest, wasn't high histamine food. It was just inflaming my gut enough that it was causing, you know, histamine excess. Yeah. And, and cleaning all that up, all of my, you know, allergy symptoms, like my runny nose and my itchy eyes and my overreaction to things that touched me and stuff like that, all of a sudden just magically, in inverted commas, went away as well. And I was like, oh, well, okay, what's the relationship here between the gut and my mm -hmm. how I respond to my environment? This is mm -hmm. like way before I did my nutrition degree, but it, it was epic. Like it is just black and white for me how mm -hmm. easily when I, my gut is happy, I'm not responsive to my environment at Let's all. So, yeah, and we see that a lot in the clinic, people who don't so even much. know or understand what's going on with that um, overactive histamine response. It's not like they're coming in for that, but we'll be working with their gut and they'll say to us, in X amount of consultations, oh, I used to get this like weird skin reaction or I used to get this increased itching or whatever it might be and it's just not happening anymore. So I think it, it happens more as a response um, more commonly now. It's just um, more yeah. exacerbated in some people that have explored it and understand and go, oh, it's a histamine intolerance. Yeah. Um, also, we should highlight, we've talked about the skin, definitely the gut. So if we're getting that increased activation within the gut we're going to see more gut-based symptoms you do not always but i'd say it's probably maybe more of a diarrhea or a loose bowel presentation yeah. as far as yeah. histamine reactivity going on in the gut but yeah. definitely but i think and I, but i think this is where it gets tricky and complicated is that i i feel like what i've seen as histamines played out over the years with my clients is that you have people that respond to the histamine containing foods. So mm -hmm. things like, you know, and they get the loose bowels, right? So they're mm -hmm. the people that respond to, um, you know, um, fermented foods, um, sulfites in wines, um, like, like things that are aged, cheeses, yeah, salami, preserved so, foods. Um, 
avocados, citruses, um, cacao. Like they're, you know, they're responding to all those high sort of um, sort of histamine style foods. Yeah. But then you've got these other plethora of people that are having a histamine, an internal histamine response, not to those foods, but to other inflammatory foods, like yeah. say gluten, which mm-hmm. is not a high histamine food, but it drives an a, a, an allergic response in the gut, thus producing histamine. So. Yeah. There's, they're completely, and this is why sometimes it's hard to diagnose for people. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like, well, that's where our role comes in, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's just so interesting because I think, I think there's, yeah, if there's so much for Jess and I try and get out here for you guys in terms of information because this is such a multifaceted and complicated area to diagnose, yeah. treat, and work out what people's drivers are. So even just at a gut based level. It can be two completely different food areas that oh, is driving histamine multifactorial. Like you would, crazy. you would pretty much. I'd, I'd almost say never get a client or anyone that we we would see who would come in and it was purely just histamine intolerance alone. Take away those foods that and it's better. all solved. It's it's always driven by more of a complex underlying issue and. Yeah. Anyone that we treat with this going on, there's always um, a significant amount of gut work that needs to be done um, yeah. and a significant amount of other reactivity going on. And for us, our role is finding out what that core driver is and dealing with that and, and really understanding, okay, what's histamine? What's food intolerance? What's this? What's that? And working uh, yeah. with that and working our clients through that. But the cool thing for us, of, of course, is um, seeing that progression with people and um, seeing them be able to diversify their diet back out, which we'll obviously yeah, talk about. Absolutely. But, yeah, you also mentioned there, um, obviously we, we, we mentioned gut, but I just wanted to, while we're talking about it, the, the food picture, because you mentioned there's those high histamine foods of course which are really i think the classic ones that people may know with the fermentable foods and the preserved and the aged foods where there's already a bacterial process that's happened there and and really liberated that histamine but um there's also i think it's really confusing for people if they've started to delve into this themselves because they can google histamine and bring up these epic lists of foods and it's really, really confusing. And if you start taking on all these lists, you'll start feeling like you can't eat absolutely anything. So this is why it's really important to work with someone because yes, there are high histamine foods, but there's also another class called histamine liberating. And there's a lot of foods in that class and it's more usually the high histamine foods that are a problem and not all of the histamine liberating foods. And those histamine liberating foods aren't actually high in histamine. It's more that when they go in, they're affecting the enzymes in your gut, which are involved in regulating that histamine. And because there's issues going on with those enzymes for some people, then that's where that also becomes problematic. But if you are having issues in this area, cutting out all of those foods can be highly problematic. As you guys know, we talk a lot about these really limited diets and the dangerous place that can put you into. So it's very, very important to work with someone who can work you through these lists. And if you need to be restrictive, we can work that into an actual protocol and work out very, very quickly. What are you actually okay with? You might be fine with avocado and eggs and, and some of the things that are popping up on these lists, but you're just not great on adding 
kimchi to your meals every day or drinking the bottle of kombucha you're having every day. Yeah, so exactly right. I just really so want to highlight that one for people. Because, yeah, the, the list is epic. Like when I do a list and when you do a low histamine diet for someone and they come in and they give you all things and you're like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you're acting to histamine foods yeah. here. Um, sometimes, and it's really hard because you've got someone who's already um, put themselves on a SIBO diet or they've yes. done SIBO protocol, so their diet's already so restricted and then by the time they come and see us, you know, and they haven't had someone walk them back through reintroducing foods properly or something like that. So they're already on this limited diet and then all of a sudden you're suspecting histamine as well. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, my God, we're just going to yeah. get, you know, and that's why it's so important to not do this yourself because you, yeah, you can just set yourself up for a whole host of stuff and not eat a lot of food and that just makes life shit because we all love food. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Especially avocado. Um, yes. <laughs> Like histamine knocks out some of my favorite foods. Oh, like if I was doing, yeah. if I go through the histamine food list, I'm just like, oh my god. Yeah. Anyway, it's that a aside. debatable whether it's histamine or salicylates wins when it comes to the crappiest diet as far as chemical sensitivities go. Oh god, I just cringe with salicylates. Anyway, <laughs> it's just like, oh, I love, I love fodmaps. I love, I love histamine. Like I don't like love doing it to people. But I love, <laughs> I love fodmaps. <laughs> We're so needing to get a life. I know. We get a little excited. But yeah, salicylates, oh, my God, I don't enjoy working with them at all. Um, anyway. All right, cool. So so obviously we've chatted about the food stuff. We've chatted about the gut stuff. I think um, the next part, obviously, is stress and lifestyle and all of that is bloody huge as well. Lack mm-hmm. of sleep is bloody huge. So there's a lot of, like, just lifestyle factors that come into um, just like increased stressors on the body stop beeping phone it's on silent and it's still beeping um um, that you know obviously is going to affect those histamine receptors as well because if the body's more stressed and it's inflamed it's tired it's worn out histamine doesn't behave the way it should um the next thing probably is probably getting into the the genetics of it a little bit because this is a really big area Mm -hmm. of histamine um so there's there's obviously a couple of you know, just big um, enzymes. I think there's three, three, main, main, like, three main like genes or, you know, that break down histamine. So there's a DOA enzyme. Yeah. I took that from, I don't, yeah, there's DOA and then there's Mayo or MAO yeah. and then there's NAT2. Yeah. And then, oh, no, there's another one. What was the other one? H- HMNT H1. is the yeah, one that, that <laughs> but don't ask me to bloody re- remember what it, so, their full name is because it's not going to happen. No, no, I, no, I can't even tell you it anyway. But the thing that's important to know about this I can tell you DAO, but that's about <laughs> MAO. But... <laughs> Sorry, keep going. <laughs> My doctor's kicked me. Um, so the important thing to remember about these genes is that you can have SNPs on these genes that break down histamine or and or you can also have other issues going on in the body that affect how these genes behave. Uh-huh. So this is where methylation comes into it and we've done a whole podcast on methylation so I'm not going to talk much about it now. But if you have high, if you have high histamine, high histamine will block methylation and if you block methylation, you affect how your histamine degrading enzymes behave. Yeah. So there's a whole big factor that happens there as well. So you need to understand the whole methylation cycle when you're dealing with histamine for people. You need to understand the nutrients and cofactors that affect how these enzymes behave as well. So B12, folate, B6, methionine, SAMe, like all of these, you know, nutrients um, that are all part of these conversions. Zinc is a big one. Copper is a big one. Yeah. 
Um, iron is a big one. Like, so it's, you can see where it starts to get quite complicated from just even a biochemical point of view. If you're nutritionally depleted Mm. and your methylation cycle is not functioning properly, you're going to have issues with breaking down histamine. Estrogen comes into that picture. So if we start looking at, you know, people or women or blokes that are potentially estrogenic and they're having histamine issues, we're not now just dealing with the um, enzymes that break down histamine. We're dealing with the enzymes that now break down estrogen as well. So then we have to start looking at COMPT as well Mm -hmm. as NTHFR. And so, you know, so it becomes a very comp. Not, I get really excited about it because, like, it's to me, it's just like this map of genetic pathways, yeah. and I just froth over this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, but you can see how just even taking it back from a gut and food point of view, how from a biochemical point of view, you really have to really be able to look at someone and go, okay, what part of the, your genetic pathways are kind of fucking up here, and what do yeah. we need to look at? What's more important? Do we look at addressing your estrogen? And, and dealing with your estrogen in your phase two detox to positively impact your histamine or do we need to give you some enzyme support? Like it's, yeah. you know, like it's, yeah, there's so many little areas that come For up sure. with even just the genetic mapping of how histamine behaves. And so, also, as you said there too, this, the underlying nutrient deficiencies, it, what you just explained there ex- definitely highlights the importance of having these good nutrients as a pool to help with these enzyme functions so if you don't have those methylating nutrients coming through in your diet or you're having a deficiency of zinc which actually can be quite common if there's Mm -hmm. if there's a high amount of stress in your lifestyle that's that's depleting these nutrients even um vitamin c is just so important for that dao production like if you if you essentially just don't have a really good foundation that we always talk about and you're not eating a a good whole food diet on a regular basis and you're putting yourself in a place where you are just naturally impeding the function of these enzymes let alone everything else on an enzyme level and it's classically you know I guess a way of thinking about this is just the classic someone who doesn't eat well and doesn't look after themselves and they generally do have a lot more of these sort of heightened responses that we're talking about. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's not always the case. It's going to fall into that category. Um, There can be lots of reasons for nutrient deficiencies. And of course, we'll always come back to gut and poor gut function, poor absorption of these nutrients. But yeah, it's really, um, as always, important to unpack all of these underlying causes. And the genetics is definitely a huge component Um, along with these nutrient deficiencies that might be driving those um, problem areas around the enzymes or actually some genetic issues per se themselves. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Nailed it. Um, Some other things that I just definitely look at too, obviously, um, like excess protein, um, like really with with minimum, like high protein, Beyond beyond what is necessary, pro- high protein diets is yep. not great for histamine intolerance. Excessive alcohol is not great for histamine intolerance. Excessive exercise is not mm-hmm. great for histamine intolerant people. Um, yeah, so basically anything in, in excess, um, and then obviously just you know exposure to medications and molds and stuff like that. So antas, anything that affects the gut that we would have talked about in SIBO podcast, antibiotics, antihistamines. Um, you know, what's the other one? Antacids. I was trying to think, what's the other A? (laughs) (laughs) All of that kind of stuff. Um, Yeah, so it's obviously, I think, yeah, it's just 
bloody epic and I hope we've done a good job at explaining how many things can cause this. Without confusing the shit out of everyone. I know, it's like that, isn't it? It's well, let's such talk, a big topic. Let's talk a bit about treatment as far as like the underlying causes. We've definitely brushed on this and as always when we talk about this area remember that we're coming at this with painting a broad stroke based on what we've already discussed if this is going on for you you need to seek uh, the guidance of a practitioner so we can unpack your individual case i'm hoping that's what we're really getting across to you guys with all of this background information and and sort of um, noise going on that can be contributing to this you need to find out where, where your underlying issues lie and yeah. I think as far as a treatment process goes for us that's where our our focus is we want to identify the underlying cause of the histamine intolerance um, as I said earlier it's not a diagnosis in itself we're not <laughs> we're not sitting with you in our clinic space and and going you have histamine intolerance. I'm amazing. We've worked that out. You are cured. Like, here you go. Just take this supplement and it will help with your enzymes. It will help you degrade that histamine and you're cured. See you later. Um, it's, again, as an analysis, it's like saying to you, you've got IBS, um, you just need to manage your stress or um, you're reacting to FODMAPs, just don't eat FODMAPs for the rest of your life. That is not the way we're going to treat this. We need yeah. to figure out what's going under, on underneath. So for for us, that's going to be looking at what's going on with your gut. We're going to be diving in there and looking at through case taking your full history. Carissa really mentioned some um, interesting stuff there with herself, like looking back over your full case history, stuff that might have been going on in your childhood, the way you react to things from a food yeah. point of view or just environmentally. Um, where a lot of the time we might be investigating through testing, of course, if that's required. Um, we, we do know that there's certain ways that the gut presents and certain types of bacterial presentations that might be more tied up with supporting this histamine production, which is probably where Carissa says she froths over the genetic stuff. I probably froth over finding out <laughs> which bacteria are doing what, losing my shit a little bit. Um, so we're going to be looking at that. And then within the context of that, we're definitely going to be looking at a low histamine diet, but it will be like the low FODMAP approach or anything else in the space of gut health, it won't be long-term. We'll be looking at bringing in a low histamine diet that works for you and walking you through that whilst treating the underlying cause. And then really, really importantly, we will be, as you are improving, we'll be looking at a reintroduction in a really um, systemized way so we can find out what you're good with and also what you're improving with. And I know with my own clients, um, this is always the most exciting part because as you're going through this, you're finding that you're being able to reintroduce foods previously that you you found were problematic. Um, yeah. And within that space as an individual, we're going to be looking at where your tolerance levels lies. We're yeah. also going to be looking at um, the right nutrients um, needed to support you. And again, as Carissa was talking about from the genetic side of things, but also these enzymes, whether we think there might be some deficiencies going on there that we need to address. 
Um, and also food, which is always um, the awesome thing as far as supporting the enzymes themselves. Chris is putting I'm up her hand, which hand means, up. shut up, Jess, I want to say something. <laughs> no, I literally just thought of one nutrient that is massive that we have overlooked, not vitamin, whatever, um, bloody vitamin D, mate. Oh, I just thought of it. I thought you were going to say something else when you said that, but yeah, yeah. I've got I've got a few other things, but I was just thinking like what other what other things would we be looking at for our clients? Like obviously diet, gut health, genetics, all of that. Like obviously we send, and I just started thinking, yeah, we'd send you probably off for stool testing if, yeah. if there's a lot of gut stuff going on. But then I was just like, what would we do it doing from a blood based perspective? Like yeah. homocysteine, hundred percent. Vitamin D, hundred percent. Yeah. Active B twelve, methylonic acid if you can do it through urinary testing, yeah. which is the most accurate. Zinc way if we can B12. get a good zinc read. Zinc, you know, the, people don't understand too. Like copper is such an yes. important factor for this stuff. If your zinc and copper and iron ratio is out, yep. you're screwed. No, you're not screwed. <laughs> it's one of M's favorites. <laughs> so yeah, I was just yeah, sorry. Just literally vitamin D just popped into my head. Then I'm like, we need yep. to put that on our list, but it's so important. Even even looking at just some like general bloods can tell us so much. Even looking at what your white blood cells are doing, that always is something within this space. I mean, it's important for so many factors. But yeah. what's going on in your white blood cell count overall? But what are your eosinophils doing as far yeah. as increased activation? Because they're going to be really tied up in an overactive histamine response. So a lot of this. When we go through that initial case taking with you and even just some really good general bloods from um, your doctor that we can get happening before even investing in functional testing, testing yeah. we can actually yeah. find out a lot there. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then we can look at, if required, certain um, nutrients that can assist those enzymes as well or reduce that histamine response that's where i was actually just thinking about quercetin when you were talking about i know something that we've missed yeah so massive yeah it can be there's a lot of supplements on the market that are kind of sold as um down regulating histamine response that will be like a, a vitamin c with a quercetin and so forth and some people find really good relief from those and that's wonderful that's great yeah. but again they're not the way you tackle this long term yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to. You really need to know the drivers of histamine. And unfortunately, like for some people, honestly, like it is. It's. I'm not going to say a simple fix, but for some people, like you can really just work out some food-based drivers. The genetics don't seem to be impacting people too much. Um, you know, all of that kind of stuff, and real and do a lot of you know some really nice soothing gut work. And some people are just honky dory. It's you know, it's just like there's a. <laughs> but that's that's the best case scenario yeah like, i think what we definitely see for histamine intolerance is that it's usually not that simple yeah um and it usually is like yeah there's a couple of a couple if not a lot of drivers and it is just really trying to find out what those are mm -hmm. and then getting back to basics of yeah like obviously fixing the gut and supporting everything that needs to be supported nutrient mm -hmm. deficiencies and yeah it's just I just I just really I think the thing Jess and I are really trying to drive home with this is that histamine intolerance is so freaking common it's insane mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's not an uncommon condition and I think treating yourself is very complicated yeah so don't do it <laughs> <laughs> exactly come and see us we'll sort it for you we'll sort it out for you <laughs> sort out your histamine mate um <laughs> 
No, I think I think um yeah, the main takeaway we want you guys to take from this is is exactly what Carissa just said. It's it's a complex scenario. Yes, it is super common, but it's it it is really important that it's it's looked at in the context as you as an individual, everything that's going on, and it's not just as simplistic as googling some stuff on the internet. Um and applying that to your diet and then thinking that's the answer. The same as we would say, I know I'm a bit of a broken record about this, like don't just download the FODMAP Monash app on your phone and that's the way you live your life forever. Like, you know, they, these things aren't the answers. These these things are a symptom. Your body is telling you something's not right. There's, there's the equilibrium is out and we need to figure out what that is. So I think that's pretty much everything i'm actually really impressed with how much we stuck to things and we're succinct yeah, know, but it's probably because we had a list of things that we wanted to cover and i was like wow we've actually done it all well like, this is what happens I'll, when we have a list yeah i think that's the that's the take home here you guys don't do histamine diets on your own jess and i'll actually write lists for podcasts when we record them from here on out <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh but yeah jesus I'm glad we've done histamine because I feel like, yeah, I get asked about it a lot and I do treat it a lot. So yeah. I did find when I was having a look a little earlier at a few studies, I did see a really cool study about extra virgin olive oil and how great it was for increasing enzyme function, particularly DAO. And I was like, oh, yeah, another reason extra virgin olive oil rocks. <laughs> I reckon extra virgin olive oil just fixes everything. Yeah. <laughs> just basically smother yourselves in it for every every possible condition you could ever have in your life. That's extra it. virgin olive oil <laughs> fixes it all. Oh, my God. All right, um, guys. Well, I think that's pretty much it. Um, it. As always, if there's anything that we've brought up in this particular podcast that you have questions about, you know you can message us through our socials. You can also always email and contact the clinic itself. If you've listened to this and you're like, oh my God, I need to get this investigated and sorted, you can either email the clinic at reception um, or, of course, you can head to the JCN website and make a booking there directly or um, just a general inquiry. We're always here to answer your questions. Um, Other than that, as we always say, love it when you share this, um, the podcast itself. We love it when you pop it on your socials and we particularly love your little Insta stories of you guys yeah. listening. It's probably I our favourites. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. And beso- besides subscribing so you don't miss an episode, um, leave us a review. We've got some... A nice one. Yeah. <laughs> we overall have some really nice reviews <laughs> on there. That's some shit ones too, by the way. Have you ever noticed that? Like, oh, I think our favourite friend left is probably the worst one, which just yeah. makes me giggle when I see it. Everyone's going to be like, ooh, I'm going to go have a look. <laughs> the <laughs> other ones, I think there might be another one, but I actually see it as a compliment. It's just like you're not listening to the right podcast if you don't enjoy a relaxed couple of people talking about some really interesting subjects but like to have a laugh and a bit of a joke along the way. It's like go and listen to something else that's a bit drier. I actually had one of my clients tell me um, that – I think I might have said this on another podcast, I can't remember, but it always stuck in my head. He's just like, I can't listen to your, your podcast. And I'm like, why? And he's like, don't take it the wrong way, but you just sound like two old two, two old ducks having a wine at the bar just really <laughs> And I'm like – well, there's no bar and there's no booze, but if you want there to be, we could. <laughs> no, you're just like, I 
can't listen to it. <laughs> the voices are annoying. I'm like, okay, fine, don't. <laughs> well, that's it. You can't please everyone. That's what I mean. That person needs to listen to everyone. Yeah, they need something a little drier. So if you want to leave us a review and tell us how much <laughs> you love feeling like you're joining in with us at a wine at a bar yeah. while we talk about histamine and genetics. Wine and wine. Yep. Love to hear from you. <laughs> Other than that, okay. um, that's it from us for now. Yeah, yeah. I oh. actually thought this was going to be like a two-hour podcast. So I'm like, I know, because you've done well. we wrote a list, we've done it in less than an hour. Can Legend. I just can I just say um, also by the time this goes out, I'm not sure of the date, but in case anyone's missed it, the cookbook has finally dropped. Yeah. So um, Eat is now available on the website. It will be available internationally soon. It's on pre-sale to third of. Feb. So I'm not sure if this podcast will skirt in just in time, but otherwise, um, yeah, just if you're after getting a copy finally, you can get that from the website and eventually um, after the 3rd of Feb, we'll ensure there's some at the clinic as well for any of our clients that want to pick up a copy. But at the moment, um, yeah, purchase your online copy pre-sale. Pre-sale? Pre-sale orders <laughs> ticking now. <laughs> yeah, cool. Alrighty guys, thanks for listening and we'll chat to you next time. Chat to you next time. Bye. Bye.